Welcome to God's Truth. This is Dr. D. Todd Harrison, and we continue to study God's Truth this year in the Old Testament. We're looking today at the book of Job and looking what great things this uh, spiritual book is. We just went through a book of Esther last week, uh, the least spiritual book in the entire uh, biblical canon. Uh, here in Job, we get God uh, mentioned by name once again. We get Job praying to God, and it's a you know it's a religious treat after last week's uh, uh, book of Esther. And uh, so we welcome you all here today as we uh, study Job. And uh, what we want to do here today is uh, we're going to look at we're pretty much going to cover all of Job today. Now, of course, uh, we only have a few minutes here, so we're not going to cover all the details of Job, but we're going to see different parts, different uh, chapters. I've added, uh, we'll look at some other verses of scripture as we go along. That's not necessarily part of the curriculum, but are great important teachings in the book of Job. As Job testifies of Jesus Christ and of that same Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I testify as one of his witnesses that he lives today. He sits enthroned at the right hand of our heavenly Father in splendor and majesty and glory. Let all the angels of heaven shout praise to him and shout for joy. Let's look today at the Job. Job will begin with chapter 1, and we'll look at uh, verse 1. There was a man in the land of Oz. <laughs> Sounds like the Wizard of Oz, right? There was a man in the land of Oz whose name was Job, and that man was perfect, tome, and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. And it talks about how rich he was and how he had all these possessions. He had ca cattle and oxen and sheep and camels. And he says at the end of verse 3, so that this man was the richest of all the men of the East. And his sons were having fun and uh, celebrating, enjoying their lives. And in verse 5, Job's out and performing sacrifices for him every day praying to God uh, for on their behalf because he loved them and wanted to make sure that uh, his sons uh, you know, may not have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. So Job continued to try to perform sacrifice on their behalf as kind of a savior figure, a fatherly savior figure, atoning for the sins of his children through the uh, burnt uh, uh, sacrifices and offerings. And we get number six here is one of the great uh, verses, uh, the parts of scripture. Now there was a day when the sons of God, the B'nai Elohim, the children of God, the sons of God, came to prevent the, present themselves before Yahweh. And Satan also came among them. So you have the Satan, he was cast down to the earth and in Revelation chapter six, uh, chapter 12, but yet somehow he's still able to come back and forth to to meet with God. So we don't know all the details behind it, but he does this twice here in the book of Job, in chapter 1 and chapter 2. And the Lord says unto Satan, uh, where did you just come from? And Satan said, well, you know, I've been going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, hast thou considered my son has now considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect, that an upright man, one that feareth God in his truth. Now, that's the second time they said he fears God. Later, we're going to see that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. 
And yet, unfortunately, in, when the, in wicked societies and the wicked nations uh, and wicked pe- with wicked people, they somehow don't fear God, right? They, they think God's some uh, nice guy who just uh, tolerates evil, but that's not the case. And you need to learn to fear God, for he is mighty in his judgments and punishments of the wicked. And he says here, then Satan answered the Lord and said, Don't Job fear God for nothing? Uh, uh, have you not already made a hedge about him and about his house and all that he hath on every side? Uh, remember 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that God will not allow us to be tempted above that we're able to, to withstand, right? Uh, we'll never be, uh, due to God's mercy, he will make sure that we're never tempted in any kind of temptation that is more powerful than we are, than more powerful for us to resist. We will be able to resist every temptation that comes into our lives. And uh, he says here, you know, God, you made a hedge about him. You know, you're only letting him be tempted to a certain degree. And you've also blessed the work of his hands. You've made him exceedingly rich. He's the richest man on earth. And his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thy hand now and touch all that he hath, all his material possessions, and he will curse you to your face. That's what Satan said to God. And the Lord said unto Satan, look, behold, all that he hath is in thine power. Only don't, only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So you can't touch him physically, Satan. I'll let you take all his possessions. You can't touch him physically. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Let's look at, uh, and so now the servants start coming in one by one, and they're saying, hey, you know, uh, they came and they stole all your uh, sheep, and, uh, you know, and they've taken all, you know, and they've taken all these things from you. All, he loses all of his sheep, all his oxen, everything. And then it even it gets worse here in verse 18. While they was yet speaking, there came also another and said, thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house and it fell upon the young man and they died. They are dead. And I only am escaped alone to tell you. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshiped, right? How many would do that, right? God, they just saw God take everything from him including his children. He took all his material possessions and he took his the children. Now, by through, you know, not directly, he allowed Satan to do that. But, you know, where were you, where were you God, right? And that's how a lot of people would have reacted. <laughs> you know, where were you, God? But what does Job do? He fell upon the ground and worshiped the Lord. And so, you know, what a great role model he is for all of us as we go through different trials and the different uh, um, difficulties at different periods of time in our life to remember this example of Job and that we fall to the ground and worship the Lord despite losing everything. And he said, I came naked out of my mother's womb and naked I shall return. The Lord has given and the Lord has taken away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this Job did not sin, nor charge God foolishly. Perfect. He passed the test, right? Satan said he couldn't do it. 
God knew he could because God knows our hearts, and he allowed Satan to tempt him this way, and he passed the test. Chapter 2, we're going to get uh, another incident like this, uh, verse 1 through 7. And there was a day, as is another day, right, when the B'nai Elohim, the sons of God, came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came back from the earth, went back up uh, to heaven here and, uh, and to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said unto Satan, where did you come from? He said, well, I've been wandering to and fro on the earth. And three, and the Lord said unto Satan, have you considered my servant Job? that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man. One that, what? Feareth God, <laughs> and escheweth evil, and still he holdeth fast his integrity. Although you moved me against him to destroy him without cause. I had no cause. He wasn't guilty of any sin, any wickedness, you know, but you made me move against him, right? And Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin. Yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. But put forth thine hand now, touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse thee to your face. So you didn't touch his body. You didn't give him any diseases, any illnesses. You know, how about now? Let's test him that way. He passed the possessions. He passed losing his children. How about we afflict him here with boils from foot to hand, right? And so in verse seven, so when Satan forth, but the Satan, but God, Lord in six says, you need to save his life. You can torture him physically, but you need to keep him alive. So when Satan forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot unto his crown. Nine through 10, to the point that even his own wife, now how bad is this, right? You get to the point that even your own wife says to him, do you still retain your integrity? Why don't you just curse God and die? Have any of you been in that situation where you've suffered enough things that even your wife says, you know, curse God and die, right? Uh, we had a similar situation in Book of Mormon with Lehi, right? And then uh, Sarai, right? And, um, and Sarah. So now uh, let's look at um, verse 10. But he said unto her, thou speakest as one of the foolish woman speaketh. You don't understand. You don't understand God. You don't understand his ways. What, shall we receive good at the hand of God? And shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job did uh, not sin with his lips. He's passing the test again. Then his three friends come and they, and they would sit next to him for seven days and seven nights. None spoke a word unto him in verse 13, for they saw that his grief was very great. May old. Okay, so uh, now we move on to, um, you know, in the, the chapter three, you get this lamentation of Job. He's wondering, why didn't I just die when I was a baby? I could have just been buried. None of this would have happened to me. Let's look at verse uh, chapter 11, uh, verse 6. And that he would show thee the secrets of wisdom, that they are double to that which is. Know therefore that God exacteth, exacteth of thee 
less than I iniquity deserves. All mankind are great sinners in God's in God's eyes. We deserve the greatest punishments he can possibly pour out upon us. But he doesn't do that. He never he never punishes us to as it says here as much as our iniquity deserve us. He could, he could, but because of his great love, his great mercy, his great compassion upon us, he does not do so. 12.6, chapter 12, verse 6. The tabernacles of robbers prosper, and they that provoke God are secure, into whose hand God bringeth abundantly. That often looks the case, right? The, the professional robbers get rich, live in big mansions. So they seem to be having a great life, right? And it looks like, you know, God's allowing them to do this. God bringeth abundantly, right? It looks like that, right? And so that's one of the things going to come here. What's going to happen to the wicked? Chapter 13, verse 15. He says, well, this is one of the great passages of scripture, right? Though he slay me, right? He's lost everything, right? He's lost all his possessions. He's lost his children. He's lost his health. He's lost almost everything except for his life, right? Though he slay me, Yet will I trust in him, but I will maintain mine own ways before him. So what a powerful verse. That, Though he slay me. So even if I've stayed faithful to the Lord, he took everything from me, all my possessions. He took my children from me. I'm at the point where my wife is telling me to curse God and die. Yet, even if he kills me, yet I will trust in him. What a great role model this job is, especially considering all the characters we've we've seen this year in the Old Testament, right? All of them were deeply, deeply flawed individuals, weren't they? But here we get this Job that's perfect in all his ways. Now, the interesting thing is he's a Gentile, right? So <laughs> the house of Israel couldn't do this, but the Gentile does, right? The Gentile Job is <laughs> living the perfect law of God. Okay, now we move to uh, 23 through 24. How many are mine iniquities and sins? Make me to know my transgression and my sin. So we've already seen he's not guilty of anything. Even God declared he's not guilty. He's not guilty of anything. But even look at this character. He's saying, look, God, if I've sinned against you, just let me know so I can repent of those sins. Wherefore, why are you hiding your face and holding me for thine enemy. Now that's the play on his uh, 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 on his name, right? Name Job uh, is uh, in the Akkadian language, uh, enemy to God, right? So he's an enemy, right? So you know, you hold me for an enemy. You you hold me for a a Job, basically here, right? Look at chapter fourteen, verse one. Man that is born of a woman is of a few days and full of trouble. We see that with uh, with Peter, right? That uh, a, a th uh, that one day to the Lord is as though a thousand years upon the earth. So to be here for a hundred years, you know, we're talking, you know, j just, uh, you know, maybe an hour or two in God's time, right? So, you know, it's uh, just a few days and yet it's full of trouble. 
you know, Jesus promised that we shall have affliction in this world, right? But nevertheless, we are to be a joy because he has risen above this world. He has conquered the world. And because of that, he will help us conquer this world. Uh, verse 5. Seeing his days are determined, the number of his months are with thee. Thou hast appointed his bounds that he cannot pass. We get that in Acts 17 as well, right? In the New Testament, that Jesus Christ and God have determined our very days. They know exactly how long we will live. And if we remain righteous, we will not die any sooner than that appointed time. And he's appointed the bounds that we cannot pass. We cannot live longer than that in Acts. He talks about, you know, that he puts you even in a geographical area in which you're not supposed to pass and move to some other place, right? Now, some do. And in some cases, God's behind it. But for those considering migrating to another country, you know, know that God puts you here for a reason and that maybe you're a, a rare exception to it. So you need to pray to God, get confirmation that he does want you to, uh, you know, move yourself to another uh, place, right? And then even that's how Abraham did it. Abraham moved to Haran in the north and then moved down to the south in Canaan, but only after God told him to do so. Let's look at verse 14, 14, 14. If a man die, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. And I will be faithful till the day I die in which I will be changed. You know, uh, so just again, just Job is just really amazing compared to what we've read <laughs> this year in the Old Testament. Let's look at 21 through 22. His sons come to honor, and he knoweth it not. And they are brought low, but he perceiveth it not or them. So going back to the shortness of life, because fathers are 20, 30 years older than their children. Uh, they're not going to see their children grow old, right? Uh, you know, based on that year gap and the fact that uh, mankind doesn't live very long, right? So we don't get to see our children grow up to honor in, in old age or to see if they've been brought low, right? We don't perceive that, the shortness of the life. But his flesh shall be upon him to have pain. Again, we're designed to have pain as we go through the, through old age, we're going to have different body pains. And his soul with him shall mourn. From time to time, we can be spiritually sick as well. When we stop doing the things that God has commanded us and God has taught us to do to keep our spirits healthy, just as our physical body needs healthy food and exercise, you know, our spirit needs spiritual exercise. This comes by reading the scriptures daily, praying daily attending worship services, and, and these things. But when you don't do those things, then your spirit can feel sick. Your spirit shall mourn. Uh, let's look at 15, verse 20. The wicked man travaileth with pain all his days, and the number of years is hidden to the oppressor. So even if they don't feel that way or don't think so, the reality is wickedness Never was happiness, as the great Book of Mormon prophet taught us, right? So while they may think they're happy, they're not. They're in pain. 
they travaileth in pain all their days, as the scriptures say here. And one day they will recognize that, and then they will be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, as Jesus talks about in the New Testament. Okay, let's move now to chapter 19. And we'll look at 23 through 27. Oh, that my, watch this. Sometimes we get what we ask for, don't we? Oh, that my words were now written. Oh, that they were printed in a book. <laughs> they didn't have books in those days, right? They had, you know, they maybe had a little parchment or something. You know, they didn't have, you know, they didn't have print, right? They didn't have print. But look at how, how this, you know, oh, that my words were now written. Oh, that they were printed in the book. And indeed, they came to be right here and printed in the Bible, printed in a book here, right? Verse 24, that they were graven with an iron pen and led in the rock forever. I just want to write it in the rock I want. He wanted his words to be preserved. Here it is, thousands of years later, his word. We're reading them right now, right? Thousands of years later. Here we go, powerful verse coming up here in 25. For I know that my Redeemer liveth. This is inspired, uh, that great song, that I know my Redeemer liveth. And that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body in the grave, yet in my flesh when I get resurrected, I shall see God face to face. Whom I shall see for myself. And my eyes shall behold and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. So what a powerful, uh, great book, this book of Job. Uh, chapter 20, verse 4 through 5. Knowest thou not this of old, since man was placed upon the earth, that the triumphing of the wicked is short, and the joy of the hypocrite but for a moment, right? Even they do it for most of their lives. One day to the Lord is a thousand years, right? They're only going to um, triumph for a very less than a day. 21, verses 13 through 15. They spend their days in wealth and a moment go down to the grave, right? They spend their days living a wealthy life, the wicked and the and the robbers and so forth. But in a brief moment, they can be snatched out of this life immediately and go down to the grave. Therefore, they say unto God, depart from us. For we don't desire to have knowledge of your ways. It's hard to preach the gospel to these uh, evil, wicked, uh, rich people. They don't want to hear the gospel. They say, what is the Almighty that we should serve him? And what does it profit us if we pray unto him? We, we already have everything we need. Why do we need a God? Why do we need a God to bless us? Low there, uh, let's see. And so that's through 15 there, now 19. God layeth up his iniquity for his children. Yeah, he lays it up. He's counting. The books are being written in the book of Revelation, you know, of all your sins. God layeth up his iniquity for his children. He rewardeth him and he shall know it. Rewardeth him for the good for the good will be rewarded good. The evil, evil. It's a reward to receive evil 
if you're evil. And now we'll look at verse 20. Let's see. His eyes shall see his destruction, and he shall drink of the wrath of the Almighty. You know, when they die, what, what is, you know, when you look at uh, near-death experiences, what happens? They always turn back and see their body, right? They shall see their destruction. The wicked will leave, the, their, the spirit will leave their body. They'll turn around. They'll see that their earthly body was destroyed. And now they are going to spirit prison where they shall drink of the wrath of the Almighty. Verse 30. That the wicked is reserved to the day of destruction. They shall be brought forth to the day of wrath. So they do still resurrect, right? But they're going to be <laughs> under the wrath of God and uh, to the day that they'll finally be redeemed, brought forth to the celestial kingdom, forever shut out from the presence of God, but still receiving an, uh, you know, a, a resurrected body and an inheritance and a degree of glory thanks to the great mercy and love and compassion and the death and atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, let's look at 22. In 22, his friend now, Elipah, starts accusing him. Well, come on, all these things have happened to you, Job. You must be evil. You must be doing something wrong. He starts accusing him of all these sins he has not committed. 22 through 30. Receive, I pray thee, the law from his mouth and lay up his words in thine heart. If thou return to the Almighty. So he's still, while he's falsely accusing Job, he's going to teach some good principles here that are true. If thou return to the Almighty and thou shalt be built up, right? Repent, come unto the Almighty. He shall build you up. Thou shalt put, put away iniquity far from thy tabernacle, thy body. Then shalt thou lay up gold as dust and gold of Ophir as the stones of the brooks. Yea, the Almighty shall be thy defense, and thou shalt have plenty of silver. For then shalt thou have thy delight in the Almighty, and shalt lift up thy face unto God. Thou shalt make thy prayer unto him, and he shall hear thee. Now remember, that's been one of the themes here in the Old Testament, that the wicked... When they pray to God, he's not going to hear them. He keeps promising them, when the wicked pray to me, I will not hear them. They had their chance. They failed to pray to me when the, you know, they failed to keep my commandments. I will not hear them. Well, if you repent and come unto him, now I will hear them. So if you don't repent, and but you pray out to God and you're staying in your evil ways, I, God, will not hear. But you repent and turn unto me with full purpose of heart, I will hear. Thou shalt also decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee. And the light shall shine upon thy ways. When men are cast down, then, shalt thou, then thou shalt say, there is lifting up. And he shall say, the humble person, right? We get that with Isaiah, right? That he exalted the humble but the exalted he brings down low in the dust, right? He shall deliver the island of the innocent, and it is delivered by the pureness of thine hand. Chapter 23. And again, we're looking at some of these great treasures here in Job. That's not necessarily part of the curriculum, but a great 
principles helping us understand and better appreciate this great book of Job. Chapter 23, uh, verse 10 through 12. But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Why does God try people, uh, try and give the afflictions to people? To mold them into the image of Jesus Christ. And as we keep that in mind, and as we work with God through prayer, through those trials in our life, we shall be molded into the image of Jesus Christ. We shall learn and become and take on his characteristics. We shall be uh, come forth as gold. My foot hath held his steps, his ways, the way I have I kept and not declined. Neither have I gone back from the commandments of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Great man, this Job, wasn't he? And that's a great goal for us to be able to look back on our lives at the end of our lives and say, you know, we never walked back. We never gone back from the commandments of his lips. And we always treasured the word of God more than our necessary food. And 15, therefore am I troubled at his presence when I consider I am afraid of him. Keep talking about his fear of God. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. You need to fear God. He's not this tolerant guy that's tolerant of evil and, you know, is not going to punish people, right? He's going to punish people. Be, be, be fearful of him. Okay. Chapter... 28, 12 through 13. But where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Man knoweth not the price thereof, neither is it found in the land of the living. Right? It's not found in the world. It's not found in the world. It's found where? In the scriptures and by the mouths of the holy apostles and prophets of God. Fifteen. It cannot be gotten for gold, right? The, the gospels without uh, without price, without charge, right? Cannot be gotten for gold. Neither shall silver be weighed for the price thereof. And it's not like you can uh, come and pay money and have you know the, the gospel and you know downloaded into your you know into your brain or something that suddenly you know all the gospel, right? Even you can carry it around now on your. On your phones, you can carry your scriptures on your phones, still not in your mind and part of your heart. You can't pay for it, right? All the money, you could have billions of dollars, but you cannot acquire true godly wisdom that way. It takes effort. It takes years of studying the word of God to gain this wisdom that is talking about here. 18, no mention shall be made of coral or of pearls. For the price of wisdom is above rubies. 20. Whence then cometh wisdom, and where is the place of understanding? Seeing it is hid from the eyes of all living, from the eyes of the world, and kept close from the fowls of the air. 28. And unto man he saith, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. 
and depart from evil is understanding. You have true understanding when you know to depart from evil. Don't allow it be part of you, part of anything of your life. Get rid of the evil. Remain apart from it and as far away as you can. And to learn that, behold, the fear of the Lord is wisdom. Uh, 32, 7 through 9. I said days should speak and multitude of years shall teach wisdom, right? Again, multitude of years shall teach wisdom. You're not just going to be wise right away. If, if you haven't started from being a child and uh, studying the word of God and uh, you know, you're not going to suddenly know it overnight. It takes years and years to continue to learn and learn. Every time you read the scriptures, you learn something new. That's God's promise to you. Did you know that? Every time you read the scripture, you can't say, well, I read the Old Testament, so I don't need to read it again. First of all, the way that God's designed the human mind and the human brain is you're going to forget most of it anyways. Nobody can read something and remember word by word, right? And over time, the longer it goes since you've read the Old Testament, the more you'll forget it. You'll remember even less and less and less. You know, so it takes years of studying it. And not just the Old Testament, but the New Testament and the Book of Mormon and the Pro Great Price and other great religious writings. You need to constantly be reviewing them and learning. And each time you will learn new things. Not only will you continue to learn it and continue to remember it even more and more, but you'll learn and pick up new ideas, new insights. You'll be at different stages of your life, different things, different afflictions in your life, different uh, periods of time, and you'll see different things out of the scriptures. Nine, great men are not always wise, neither do the age understand judgment. Just because somebody's rich or someone has attained a high political office uh, does not mean that they're wise, right? They don't have, they may not have godly wisdom. They've learned some things of the world. They learned how to get to those positions and get material possessions through the, the, the way the world works, but they don't have the true wisdom of God. Thirty-three, fourteen through sixteen. For God speaketh once, yea, twice, yet man perceiveth it not. And a dream, and a vision of the night, when deep sleep falleth upon man, and slumberings upon the bed. Then he openeth the ears of man, and sealeth their instruction. So one of the ways that God communicates to people is through dreams. So we need to learn and study and, and understand and approach God through prayer, asking him for the meaning of some of our dreams when we perceive that they may be instruction uh, from him. 36, 9 through 12. Then he showeth them their work and their transgressions that they have exceeded. He openeth also their ear to discipline and commandeth that they return from iniquity. If they do so, if they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. But if they obey not, 
They shall perish by the sword, and they shall die without the knowledge of God. 38, 4 through 7. And here again, Job, uh, God now asks Job a question here. He wants to test them out. Uh, where were you, Job, when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you understand. Who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? Or who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together, and all the B'nai Elohim shouted for joy, you, Job, were there with him. You lived in a pre-existent state. You rejoiced and were glad and were happy when the earth had been formed and ready for the inhabitation of mankind. And then uh, finally here in chapter 42, we'll get the conclusion to this great book of Job. And what a great uh, treasure this has been today, great spiritual feast. 42, 6 through 17. Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Once again, he has nothing to repent of, right? He's, uh, you know, he, he starts to, you know, uh, uh, he's been very faithful. He's held out this whole time, right? But yet, I'm repenting, right? Just always repenting, trying to better himself, trying to get closer to the Lord, uh, repenting. And it was so that after the Lord has spoken these words unto Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz, the Tamanite, my wrath is kindled against thee. He's the one that falsely accused Job. And against thy two friends, where you have not spoken to me the thing that is right as my servant Job hath. Therefore take unto you now seven bullocks and seven rams, and go to my servant Job and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering. And my servant Job shall pray for you. For him will I accept. How would you like God to say that about you? That if you pray, I will accept this person's prayers. Lest I deal with you after your folly in that ye have not spoken to me the thing which is right like my servant Job. So Elipaz the Tamanite and Bildad the Shuhite and Zophar the Namathite went and did according as the Lord commanded them. The Lord also accepted Job. Here we go, verse 10. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Now, did you catch that, right? So he was still in this captivity, where uh, cap captive to Satan. He was allowed to tempt him and destroy him, uh, uh, you know, except to save his life. He could put boils on his body. He could take and uh, all the way all his animals. All his material possessions, he was allowed to kill his children, just not to kill him. So he was under this captivity until when? When he prayed for his friends. So how important that is. You know, oftentimes people get jealous of their friends. And instead of praying for them, right, they, they're jealous. And they, you know, wish secretly for for ill upon them. They want bad things to happen to them. They don't want to see their friends have a successful life and they're struggling along, you know. But look what happens, right? He blessed Job 
He rescued him from this captivity when he learned to pray for others. Also, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. He was already the richest man on the earth. Now he's double that, right? Then came there unto him all his brethren and all his sisters and all they that had been of his acquaintance before and did eat bread with him in his house. And they bemoaned him and comforted him over all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. Every man also gave him a piece of money and everyone an earring earring of gold. They're all just bringing him money, right? So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. Now, instead of 7,000 sheep, he had 14,000 sheep. Instead of 3,000 camels, he had 6,000 camels. Instead of 500 yoke of oxen, 1,000 yoke of oxen and 1,000 she-asses. And get this here in 13. He had also seven sons and three daughters. Exactly what he had before, seven sons and three daughters. He gets a new set of seven sons and three daughters. In verse 15, And in all the land were no women found that were as beautiful as the daughters of Job. And his father, as we saw, is the most righteous man in the Old Testament, right? Did what? He gave them inheritances as well among their brethren. Why is that significant? It was only the it was only the sons who would ever get the inheritance, right? Remember, the firstborn son got double the inheritance, right? But the woman never got anything. But this faithful Job gave inheritances not just to his sons, but also to his daughters. In verse 16, after this lived Job 140 more years in his prosperity and fulfillment of that verse of scripture, and saw his sons and his sons' sons even for generations. So Job died being old and full of days. What a great uh, book. Uh, Many great spiritual teachings are here, great spiritual wisdom as we read the book of Job. And may we all look up to Job and learn to have him be a great example that in all our trials in life, we need to reach out and pray and worship the Lord, you know, and just stay faithful, stay faithful to the end. Things may not look good now. Things may not look good tomorrow or next week, but in the latter end of your years, things shall be spectacular. He will bless you with more than than you had at the beginning. For those of you who are not yet members of God's covenant people, members of God's uh, children upon the earth, we extend you a special invitation once again this week to reach out to the missionaries. I will leave in the description of this video a link. I want you to click on that link. Let the missionaries know that you're ready to follow in the path of Job, to become a Job to follow the Lord Jesus by obeying his commandments, by being baptized in the waters by immersion, symbolizing the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ into a new life, just as Job had, a new spiritual life with true fulfillment in your days and years ahead. For those of you who found inactivity in the, in the church, come out of this captivity. Come out of the captivity so the Lord can bless you just as he did, Job. 
In closing, we testify of the truth of these things we learned today, this great spiritual wisdom and knowledge that is here in the scriptures for our study, for our learning, for our pondering, to bring us joy and peace and comfort and great hope. Of him we testify this day in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.